This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Once you use this uh, recipe more and more and more, you can throw the rules out the window and just think about flavor. Just think about like what that thing tastes like. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. We are recording remotely for now. Before the pandemic hit, bartender Carlin Langley was working at Sardine, mixing Sazeracs and French 75s behind their gorgeous pewter bar. Lately, he's been turning that energy toward home projects. He's making mixers and even entirely new drinks, trying things out where there aren't customers to please. We wanted to know what he could come up with using only ingredients that we had lying around at home. Lindsay likes sherry and vermouth, and I've had a bottle of Malort sitting around for ages. So, could he make us each cocktails that we would be into? Pause for a second, shake up a daiquiri, then unpause and give a listen. Carlin, welcome. Hey, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your bartending history, where you've worked and where you were at most recently, Mm pre-pandemic? Yeah, I've been in bartending for about, it's only been five years here in Madison. First coming into it, I really wanted to just get my hands dirty and like start from the ground up. So I started as a bar back at Gibbs. It's a small little intimate cocktail bar on Willie Street. And then I moved to both Mintmark and Sardine, and now I'm kind of fully at Sardine. What was your what was your background before like going into to bartending? I mean, like obviously you said you started as a barback. I know that's obviously the entry level um, for all of that. But I mean, did you just you just walked up and said I want to do this? And I, yeah, I definitely say um, every good bartender has been a barback. I think a barback is a fundamental skill that you should learn. Uh, before that, though, I was in coffee. I worked at first coming into Madison. I worked at Johnson Public House um, and got heavily into coffee. And through that, through kind of meeting people throughout the neighborhood, I met people who were opening up. Uh, yeah, opening up Gibbs. So I kind of got the my foot in the door that way. What are the parallels between making coffee drinks and cocktails? Yeah, a lot of people, especially within the coffee industry, they will try to be a bartending they'll try to make a cocktail like a coffee cocktail which i think it's wonderful but it doesn't always fit the points coffee is really wonderful i think on its own kind of like a little bit more like wine uh and once you start adding different ingredients to it you're just taking away like the nuance of that but i think the general coffee flavor can make a really great like base or drink but i think people try to overcomplicate and kind of muddy it up so i was curious as a bartender moving to some these different places, moving up, you know, but also moving into kind of different sorts of different kinds of service, I've heard before that you kind of start often by mixing with what's there, like what's already existing in your bar. And then as you get a little bit more confident, you start making your own like blends and infusions and things like that. Where were you? with creating your own things to mix with or things to add? Yeah, I was terrified at first. I was a person who always liked to play it safe. I, For the longest time, I didn't want to put um, my own drink on a menu because I just didn't feel like I had the fundamentals uh, grasped quite uh, quite yet. 
So I was talking to this uh, on a live stream just like a week ago, and Lindsay, you chimed in on that that stream. And it talks about like um, an early idea that I got from a guy called Jamie Boudreau. He has a bunch of like old um, old videos on YouTube uh, uh, from Small Screen Network. It's called like uh, Raising the Bar with Jamie Boudreau. And it's a wonderful like if you want to like circa 2010 bartender, you know, like with the button up shirt and like the vets and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, he's a delight and he's in incredible wealth of uh, knowledge. He has a bar in Seattle called Canon. That I highly recommend. Um, but he talks about uh, a cool ratio called the golden ratio, and it's an ounce and a half of your base spirit, so your gin, your rum, your um, your vodka, and then you have three quarters of an ounce of some sort of a lengthener. You've got to think of vermouth. You can think of um, any kind of an aperitif or digestif, so like Campari, Aperol, Chinar, uh, and then you have a quarter ounce of some kind of a modifier, and that could be a liqueur like Curacao. Or it could be um, even I tried to bend it for people who want to just do like a agave or a compound, like a strawberry syrup they made from the garden. Uh, I think that's really wonderful. And with that, you will kind of combine them together, and it's sort of like a Mr. Potato Head like recipe. But maybe it won't it won't like maybe make the best drink you've ever had, but it definitely will make a consistently good drink. Um, and then from there, you can add citrus and you can add other elements. Um, to make it better. So that's a great way to just like look at what you have around you and maybe maybe something that you were afraid of and it's just like give it a go and like you don't feel like you're wasting a ton of money by like dumping product down the drain. It's, and it's a cool way to, you're not going to know what that weird spirit tastes like until you use it. And if you're too afraid to, this was for me like a great way for me to like get out of my shell and actually start experimenting. And it also sounds like, I mean, the, I mean, having three ingredients primary ingredients in any drink makes it so any any home you know uh i guess they're home chefs but not really a home bartender would it just be a, a drinker <laughs> what's the, what's the... <laughs> i mean most of the time like around our house we just um we're kind of lazy i mean i've definitely been working on drinks around here to kind of like post online to kind of get my uh to get my creative juices flowing but for the most part we just grab like a glass and we fill it up with, you know we do that thing and we just you know, stir it around and there it is. We don't try to, we don't mess around with like shaking it all that much. We're just like, let's go watch a movie or let's go have a fire and like enjoy ourselves. And I don't want to fuck about uh, uh, shaking the drink and having to clean it up and like muddling and all this kind of nonsense. We kind of graduated here at La Casa Christians from like <laughs> a Mr. Mr. Boston's guy, like guide or whatever, like back when we were in college. Now we use uh, this guy a lot. The new cocktail hour, which is uh, Tanaya Darlington and Andre Darlington, and the, it's really accessible. And I feel like they give you a lot of information without feeling too textbooky. For me, for me like the first bartender that liked that was um, uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler. So he had like a cool blog. I his book, um, the bar book, was the first cocktail book I ever bought because I like it because it it's set up in a way that uh, is you're building a drink and you have all these elements. So it doesn't just feel like a recipe book. If you you have this lesson, you learn about ice, you learn about, you know, like shaking, stirring, whatever it may be. And then at the end of it, you have a drink that uses that technique. So it's a technique-driven cocktail book, which anybody, home bartender or like um, uh, someone who, a bar back who wants to get into bartending, like this is something that I highly recommend. I was also curious if you've steeped or blended or made any new cocktail ingredients since you've been at home. 
Yeah, I've been mostly working around with the stuff that I have, but I have just recently just started messing around with like the basics of say like compound syrup. So last summer I was working on a, a load of things, just like the simplest like pomegranate, like, uh, you know, like grenadines, orgeat, um, think about like lime cordial and all that kind of stuff, uh, coconut cream, doing all these things and like really dialing it into like my specific taste. And it's been kind of a fun little, you know, it doesn't really cost too much money. And just, so like just now, like I, because I was thinking about making some pina colada. So I made a <laughs> really basic coconut cream, you know? Nice. Secret around coconut cream is uh, a good coconut milk. Coco Lopez is sort of a, a cream of coconut. Um, and that's, for me, it's a, it's a little too sweet. So I usually cut it with like just a nice coconut milk. So it's just like that. It's not even... I grab a coconut and I open it up and I like squeeze it out. It's not even like that. It's just like finding a, a kind of a, a way to meet in the middle. Yeah. Can you think of some notable successes and failures in your cocktailing history? Like something that you're really proud of having come up with and some just really bad, bad drinks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of bad drinks. A lot of, it's funny. Like you, you come up with an idea and you try to see it through as much as you can. And then at the end, end, end of the day, like I'm not me personally, I wouldn't want to put something on a list that I'm not like 100% proud of. That being said, it happened one time and it was only on the menu for like, I think like maybe a week. If that my, uh, my coworker and friend, uh, uh, Roger and I wanted to make a pumpkin spice cocktail <laughs> But we wanted to make it, like, stirred and, like, uh, maybe a little bit more sophisticated. So we went down to the co-op and we got, you know, uh, not too big of a pumpkin, not too small of a pumpkin. We tried to find, like, a nice, you know, good-sized pumpkin. We roasted it. Then we vacuum-sealed it with a bunch of spices. And we did, like, a technique called open vacuum where if you have, like, a vac machine, like a commercial kind of vac machine, and you open up the lid, you put it in, like, a shallow pan. We took, like, reps out of tequila. We roasted the pumpkin, added like a bunch of like cinnamon, anise, yada, yada, all that good stuff. And then we just pressed it down and sucked it. And we're trying to break down those cell walls of the pumpkin. And so it, like all that reposado and all that spice kind of hopefully penetrates. Didn't really penetrate too well. <laughs> it was okay. Um, and then we like finished it off with like, I forgot like what it was. Was it sesame oil? I don't think it was sesame oil. It was like black something. I don't know. Um, and we called it, uh, he came up with the name, I think, uh, what was it, 1975? That um, Smashing Pumpkin song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? Which is great. Like, he's very topical about that. Yeah. So I was, I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So to kind of piggyback on that, um, do you, and you've mentioned earlier that you, you know, wanted to get all the basics down before you even thought about putting a drink that you'd created on a menu. Do you remember the first drink that you created that ended up on a menu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a. Uh, it was called Afternoon at the Seaside, and it was based on a one-act play I did in high school. <laughs> the very first show I've ever done, so I thought it was fitting. It was such a dumb thing. Uh, <laughs> like, picture me, picture me, like you know, like you know, just glistening white skin, just and in like a salmon-colored onesie, just like, with a giant beach ball, just sucking it down the stage. I had one line. It was so bad. <laughs> anyway, love the name though. So. 
really love Tom Collins. Tom Collins's, uh, you know, gin, lemon, uh, a little bit of sugar and seltzer, like what's not to like. And I wanted to create something that was, I could have um, like on the shore. Like I thought about something I could have like on the beach, something refreshing. I'm like, oh yeah, Tom Collins. So I thought about making an adjacent riff to that. I was playing on Pisco because I wanted some fruit because Pisco is, uh, you know, grapes, but it's like very delicate little floral. I'm like, cool. But I want some like kind of vegetableness. And I'm like one of those people who like, I love celery. So I just did like a really simple infusion of celery and pisco. And then from there I did fino sherry. This is like right when I kind of discovered sherry and my love for it has like grown every single day. Uh, fino sherry to add some like minerality, add some saltiness, um, and then adding both uh, lemon juice as well as like a lemon cordial that we kind of made. And then topping it with uh, seltzer or mineral water. And then we would keg it, charge it, and um, bottle it up into like individual like little bottles. So then we served it to people. I love celery and grapefruit together. Like I used to eat like celery and grapefruit like salads Ooh. with other things. But like I think they play well together. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I garnish it with just like a big old swath of grapefruit. Um, just recently I did a take on, on it with um, Vikra inspired me they were doing like a celery kind of soda thingy with their aquavit and i used um i used like their aquavit and made the same thing but instead of pisco it was a, a celery aquavit and it was beautiful it was good nice our the last person that we had on the show uh mel zastro uh she mentioned about growing her own celery and apparently the flavors are like of, 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 of homegrown celery are way more interesting than just like store bought. Oh, the ones that we would use uh, uh, for that drink, we, we grew them in the garden in the back of, I believe in the back of uh, uh, Grandpa's Pizza. So, and uh, he was always so much about, if you actually ever had like a fresh, like the celery, like leaf on top, it is like the most fragrant thing. It's insane. Hmm. It's so delicious. I need to grow celery, I think. I do too. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about naming cocktails because uh, we share a bit of a theater background and I used to get so tickled by the names you would come up with when you were over at Gibbs for some of your cocktails that were based on like musicals and plays. But I'm also curious because a lot of bartenders, like at the Odd Duck, for example, they hate naming cocktails so much they just put numbers on them. It's like number 56 or whatever. And because they just cannot, they cannot be bothered with the the names. So where do you fall on names these days? What are you using for inspiration? Yeah, um, definitely early on, it was all like theatrical. And I, it, it comes to the same as Audeth. I did not enjoy coming up with names unless it dawned on me right away. I was just like terrified. Like, I really want to put this on the menu, but I, I need a name and I hate that. Nowadays, I'm a little bit more lax. I'm just kind of like, yeah. I, I think I take from anywhere around me. I try to like bring it back to what kind of mood I was in, the people who are around me, not necessarily the, the product, I'm trying to be a little more creative, but also just knowing that like the drink needs to get out to the public. That's what I would look, rather have. Yeah. I want to take a brief pause and then I was hoping we could do a little bit of mixing. Yeah, let's do it. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. 
So, Carlin, I sent you some photos of what's in our liquor cabinets, and our challenge for you today is to come up with a cocktail for each of us to make. Beautiful, yeah. Chris has orange things, and I don't have any orange things. Yeah. Chris has Cointreau and Grand Marnier. These are all, I mean, not, not all of them, but like some of those are things that moved with my girlfriend when the two of us moved in together. Mm-hmm. And some of those bottles, as far as I know, have not been opened. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she actually is still hanging on to a a can of, um, uh, what is it? Four, uh, four loco, like the old four loco. Like oh, before, man. yeah, yeah. The illegal four loco. Did it not feel bad? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that like the inside is like rusted. I'm surprised it hasn't like just started leaching out of the sides yeah, of it. Yeah. Just how poisonous <laughs> that stuff was. But yeah, so some of those things have been in there for a while and I don't, we, we haven't used them, but uh, yeah, but there's a bunch of weird crap. So um, first uh, big question, would either one of you care for, do you have citrus or no citrus? Yes, I have citrus. We have lemon, lime, and grapefruit here. I've got lemon, and I've got tiny little oranges. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Uh, I think we should definitely lean into, Chris, we should lean into this this orange vibe we got going on. I kind of want to play around with Malort. I see that Jepson's bottle, so I think that could be kind of funny. Uh, and I'm excited for this. Yeah. So how do you feel about um, your... Uh, Blanco tequila, uh, Malort, and let's see, what else do we got? What kind of bitters do you have? You said you had bitters? Yeah, the Angostura and Cherry Bark Vanilla. Oh, sick. Yeah, we should totally mess around with some Cherry Bark Vanilla. Cherry Bark Vanilla, some bitter, kind of orange, and Blanco tequila. That could be kind of nice. I think we have to go easy on the Cherry Bark because it can be kind of an overwhelming uh, flavor. Um, Lindsay, let's look at you. I think you have a, um, a really great selection. I want to see what this... Um, vermouth this uh, Lustal is Amontillado okay delightful I love sherry oh awesome fantastic Lindsay how do you feel about um, whiskey or gin ooh that's a great question I'm usually fairly split equally in the summer I tend to drink more gin let's take out those cardamom and those chocolate bitters okay decide let's take out that that sherry that Amontillado Put that, that to the side. Um, and then let's grab a uh, Campari. Um, you said Sherry, Campari. Was there a base spirit yet? I'm thinking uh, the Sherry might be the base spirit, but give me one sec. Let's go with Death Store. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so right now we have Chris, we have Malort, we have tequila and... Bitters, citrus. Cool. Maybe a little, maybe a little Grand Marnier. What do you think, personally? I haven't had Grand Marnier in a minute, but it is aged. It's a little juicier. Quantra's a little drier, a little bit more like to the point of that orange. We kind of, what the idea is, I kind of want to like give the Malloy a little place to shine, a little place to lengthen. So giving it some backbone with um, with another orange, quote-unquote orange kind of spirit, I think could be kind of helpful with that. All right. Who wants to begin? Who wants to start? Let's let Lindsay go. All right. Let's do that. Let's use that golden ratio a little bit here. This might be kind of fun. Let's do an ounce and a half of that uh, Amontillado sherry. Got it. Okay. Uh, we'll then do three quarters of the death store. Okay. So you're using the gin as the length. And this is the thing. Like you can do, once you use this uh, recipe more and more and more, you can throw the rules out the window and just think about flavor. Just think about like what that thing tastes like. So from there, add like a quarter ounce of Campari. The Campari is really just there to 
give it a little bit of fruit and give it a little bit of weight. Uh, but also both the chocolate and the cardamom bitters should help um, kind of bring out some some more like kind of spicier notes within that Campari. So you want to use a, a bunch of it. Okay. Cool. Um, let's So with those bitters, let's just add like a, a dash each just to give a little, little surprise. The chocolate and the cardamom? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. It, this sounds kind of weird. I've done something in the in the vein of this before. This is a really this is in a kind of realm of a cobbler, except it's there's no fruit really involved here. Obviously, I mean I'm bending and I'm taking the fruit from other kind of aspects of the the spirits that we're using. Uh, from here, you can do one of two things. You can just add ice to a glass and stir it and enjoy, and then it's going to start off really kind of strong. And then over time, it will kind of like meld and get to that perfect kind of dilution. Or you can kind of stir it and then strain it on the fresh ice in a, in a different glass. Totally, uh, totally up to you. But honestly, I wouldn't worry about oh, like under stirring it. So better under stir than over stir, I guess, at home for home use. Nice. And anything for garnish? Yeah. Um, give it a smell right now. How, what are you getting off the, the, the smell? Is there, is, it, is, is there any kind of an intense aroma? You know, I'm I'm getting a lot from sort of the the gin and the Campari, but the cardamom is really coming through quite a lot. Like it's kind of nice. Oh, beautiful. Okay, cool. That's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> um, I honestly, and it's weird maybe because I just talked about it. I think like a peel of grapefruit or a coin, even just a like a coin of grapefruit, would be really wonderful here. Okay. Chris, let's, let's do this, my man. Yours is going to be more interesting, I think. It's going to be a little bit out there because I just really want to see what this Malort is going to be like with all this. I'm excited. I, I, I've never had Malort in a cocktail that I know of. All that I've ever had, I've done like shots at Heritage, and that's like about it. Yeah. So let's start off with, uh, let's, let's uh, go with, um, let's do just a quarter ounce of that Malort. Okay. I might have put, I might have put, a half an ounce in there, so we might have to just double it up. And I mean, it's Friday, so it's I'm, I'm fine with getting a little uh little, little turnt. Beautiful. Um, so let's. So then, with that being said, we're gonna taste it before we shake it. Um, let's grab your Grand Marnier and let's add a half an ounce. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Uh, let's do um, an ounce and a half of your uh, Blanco tequila. Hey, Chris, do you have any salt? Uh, yes. You can add like the tiniest pinch of salt. All right. Go grab what does salt do for a cocktail, Carlin? Think of it like uh, cooking. It's not actually there to add like a lot of saltiness unless you're looking for that. So like a lot of times with a Paloma, I love like a, a moderately salty Paloma. Um, but really it should just bolster up everything around it. So a lot of times my rule of thumb is, which comes back from working at Gibbs, I do a drop of like kind of a 20% saline solution for like a stirred drink, and then three drops of that uh, solution for like a shaken drink. But you can definitely go in between there, you can add more, you can add less. Um, it really depends on some things like pineapple juice have like a natural kind of salinity to it. So you can, you know, I always recommend just taste it one time and like go from there and make your call. Ooh, smells really good. Beautiful, man. Um, you said you, uh, you have lime juice, right? Um, yeah, I think I do. If not, we can always use a lemon, but yeah. 
let's put in um let's start off with a half an ounce and we might go up a little bit more depending on the sugar level that you have going on that is really interesting yeah the like the malort is just like right in the middle of the flavor like it's got all of the citrus and stuff on the outside of it but the malort is like is the real like i mean it's because it's kind of hard to really hide malort in anything yeah, but do you think it needs um, to be like, like you said, you may have added like a molar, a little goes a long way. So do you think we want to make a double batch or what do you feel? I would say it's, it's mainly, it's just, it's really dry. And I don't know how like, like juicy you were wanting it to be. Yeah. This is where I would maybe add like a bar spoon of like a simple syrup or a two to one simple mm. syrup. Um, I think maybe how, so with um, the balance between the, the tequila and the, um, the uh, Grand Marnier, how is that balance for you? Is it like, do you think we could like bump up the Grand Marnier to give a little bit more sweetness and the tequila will still kind of like come through? I think so. Beautiful, let's do it, man. Just uh, do like a quarter ounce or eyeball it. Yeah, free fun, do it, man. <laughs> uh, how's the acidity? How's that line? Pretty good? Um, yeah, once I added like a little bit more of the Grand Marnier, like the whole thing just like popped in a like really good way. Let's add ice and let's shake it up and go for it. All right. I'm going to do the same with mine. Pina colada. I have a Pavlovian response to that sound and I immediately need a cocktail. Yeah. When you're shaking it up or you just, you just go until you can't hold it anymore. Is that the... <laughs> Yeah, the thing about uh, pretty much shaking a cocktail is it's a little harder to teach. You just have to kind of uh, learn as you go. So, like, if you shake it, it's again like, like just like you're stirring. It's better to undershake than overshake. Um, you can always like go back, especially if you're at home. Obviously, in a professional setting, we're trained to do this kind of stuff. So we, we're more making drinks constantly. So it's a little bit. We have a. We should know what we're doing, but at home, I feel like you shouldn't feel. About if I'm might might doing this right, I'm like don't worry about that. The what what do, what do people say? Like the the best drink is the drink that's in your hand, kind of like mantra. Like it's you can always go back and make it better. Thank you so much for doing this. This is really fun. My cocktail is really sherry forward, and I love that. And like I get the sherry, I get kind of a little bit of uh, a bitterness from both the Campari and from you know the bitters themselves. It's really nice. Yeah. That, that gin, I love using gin to kind of like lengthen something to add just like a really wonderful like botanical, like just botanicals in general. I think it's, think of it like a, a hot, like herb water kind of thing. You know what I mean? Not hot like temperature, but like, you know, spicy kind of hot. Yeah. So. Nice. Um, Chris, did you, am I saying, do you want to do like a little garnish? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, I think this would be great with um, anything from a wheel of orange to uh, to a peel would be great. It just depends on if you add a peel to it, uh, it's going to give, depending on how it smells right now, if you're smelling that Malort, which I kind of want you to get a, maybe get a little bit of that Malort kind of vibe. Oh, um, it's not hiding. It's yeah. <laughs> the thing is like, if you express citrus oil over top of the drink, all you're going to smell is that citrus oil, which could be a good thing for people who don't want to smell that Malort. But then again, they should, probably shouldn't be drinking this drink, but um <laughs> It's totally uh, up to you if you want to, like, yeah, go sparingly or go aggressively. Like, the first few sips, if you do that, will also be kind of like, you know, all those essential oils kind of like hitting your palate and to me, like, really fragrant and orangey. Anyway. I can't decide if I want to name my drink the Sherry Baby 
which is a song in Jersey Boys, or if I just want to call it like Jersey Girl, you know, because Sherry is a song in Jersey Boys, the musical. And I got, I got, I got to go that direction. I got to go the theater direction. I think you do. It makes yeah. sense. How's it great, Chris? Do you like it? I do. Yeah, it's delicious. Awesome. Thank you. You like y'all. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our theme music was composed by Patrick Christians, and the show is edited by Natalie Yar. As always, you can subscribe to The Corner Table wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like it. Follow us on Facebook and check out captimes.com for food and drink news. Lindsay and I are both on Twitter and Instagram. Pretty easy to find, uh, so feel free to track us down over there. Listen for our upcoming episode with Forager Andy Grisevich. And in the meantime, tell your friends about us. We totally appreciate all the word of mouth. I'm Chris Lay, co-host of this year's podcast. And I'm Cap Times food editor, Lindsay Christians. Our wish for you this week is a stirred martini. Extra dirty if you're into it. Cheers! Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com. I really liked making you say extra dirty. Oh, I added the extra. <laughs> oh, you did. I just said dirty. I added the extra. Yeah, you just said dirty. You know what? I do like a dirty martini. I think they're better.